You can be seated. I'm going to take a different approach to our lesson this this evening. Not necessarily read a text, but rather speak throughout the lesson regarding Scripture. My subject this evening is knowing the voice of God. Knowing the voice of God. If we're all honest, which I think everyone in here would be, there's been times where we wondered whether or not we were really hearing God's voice in our life. I would love to tell you that I never striked out and I hit the ball every time and I got it 100% of the time. But there hasn't been anybody save Jesus Christ that could say that. Because the problem with people is that we're people. And as try as you might to, to do the perfect will of God every time and hear his voice every time, you're going to miss it sometimes for a variety of reasons. So I felt last night that this would be very beneficial to someone here this evening. Everyone in this room has at least one thing in common, and that is we all have a dreaming nature. You can't escape it. You inherited that nature from the one who created you. See, we were designed to dream. You know how everything that you know in this world came to be? Because God thought it and spoke it. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the thought. And the Word was with God and the Word was God, the thought, God God thought, this is what I want to happen, and he spoke what he thought, and it happened. In its purest form, that is a dream. A dream is a seed thought planted in your mind. When I was a kid, when I was little, I had the dream, one day I would be a preacher. Call it premonition, call it dream, call it desire. But I knew from a little kid that I would either be a preacher or a cook at Waffle House. Thank the Lord I took this route. But I still like Waffle House. We need a Waffle House in Jonesville. Amen. Somebody pray about that. It's imperative that we as Christians continue to dream, continue to aspire. People dream about their schooling. They dream about their career. They dream about their family. They dream about vacations. Kids dream about getting out of school for the summer. Two weeks into it, parents dream about kids going back to school. Everybody's dreaming. Dreaming ignites creativity. In essence, a dream is thinking outside of the box, seeing things different as they are, hoping for something to change. That sounds a lot like faith, doesn't it? Seeing things 
not as they are, but as you desire them to be. I submit to you today that there could be a connection between your dreams and your faith. Some dreams are childish, nonsensical, fairy tale. I'm not talking about being a cook at Waffle House, okay? There's some dreams that they're just childish dreams. But there's some dreams God puts in your soul, puts in your heart that are premonitions of what could happen in the future. When I say dreams, we could also use the word promise. Things that God makes a covenant with man. Abraham, I'm going to give you, your, your, your lineage will be as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. That's a dream. Abraham didn't know what that meant. But it was a covenant between him and God. There will be times in your life where God will plant a seed within the soul of humanity. You're going to water that seed with your tears and you're going to fertilize it with your faith. And that seed will endure the winter of negative words. It will spring forth when you least expect it. Hear me. Do not disregard your dreams as impossibilities. I remember telling someone, actually my youth pastor, actually Brother Grantham, who's, who's preached here, one time I was telling him what the Lord was dealing with me about. And I just, I told him, I said, I just don't ever see how this will work. And he said, well, that's a sign that it's from God. And I said, what do you mean? He said, if you could do it all by yourself, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need to pray. You wouldn't need faith. But since it's bigger than what you can imagine, the only way it will ever happen is you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to have faith in God. Dreams begin when God's plan for your future joins with your faith. Everybody in this building has different dreams in your life. There's people here that you haven't yet realized dreams that you felt like God has given you. There's people here that you haven't seen the promises that you feel like God has put in your spirit. But everyone here can think about something that you feel God has given you, a dream, something that you can't escape. You see, the sole purpose of advertisements in life is to drop something in your thoughts that you would otherwise never think about. There's times you're driving down the road, all of a sudden billboard, something you would have never thought about, but you look at it and say, I want some crawfish right now. Because you saw crawfish. Or weight loss. I need to lose weight. Different things that you probably never think about. I don't, I don't try to entertain that one, that thought. See, the bigger you are, the more God you can hold. Advertisements are things that just drop in your life unexpected. And God does the same thing for us. God will drop something in your spirit at just the oddest of times. And you think that don't even make sense. God, what's this all about? You'll have a thought in your mind. But it's God prompting your spirit. It's God dropping something in your spirit. It's a glimpse of what he plans to do in your life. 
I told you last year about the, the theme, believe, become, belong. I was weed-eating grass. Or I might have been mowing. I don't know. I'm not big on weed-eating. I might have been mowing. And the three words came into my mind, believe, become, belong. Just mowing grass. And I said, Lord, what is this? He said, it's the theme for Wallace Ridge in 2019. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm not even the pastor. He said, but you will be. I'm giving you the theme to preach the first Sunday of January. Mowing grass. I'd love to tell you I was slain in the spirit, caught up in the third heaven, and then saw Jesus face to face, and he spoke to me. I was mowing grass. Because God drops things in your spirit when you least expect it. And you have to be sensitive to that word, or you'll brush it off, and you'll miss something. Anybody ever been doing something, and all of a sudden you had this just overwhelming sense that you got to pray about something? Whatever it may be. You never know how critical the timing was of that prayer. God prompting you to pray at this moment, but it could be because of something that you don't know about that was happening. But you were sensitive to the prompting of the Spirit. Far too often, people disregard the importance of the dream because it seems impossible. God puts something in your spirit one day I'm going to do this, or one day I'm going to see this. And it, it seems impossible. Let me, let me be transparent with you. Years ago, years ago, God gave me a promise that one day I would preach a youth camp, and one day my feet would touch foreign soil. And I said, Lord, I don't know how in the world that's ever going to happen. You know what? My feet have touched foreign soil, and I preached a youth camp. God never told me I'd preach a youth camp in America. He just said you'd preach a youth camp. And it happened. That's, I'm talking about that goes back years ago when I was just a teenager that God put that dream inside of me. And I've been praying about it. I prayed three things growing up. I prayed, Lord, give me open doors locally, nationally, and globally. And God has done all three open doors locally, nationally, and globally. But it starts with a seed. Starts with a dream. You cannot, you'll never achieve it unless you first see it. You don't have to see it in the physical. You see it in the spiritual, and then you'll see it in the physical down the road. That's how God operates. God has always communicated with his people. In Genesis, we see Adam and Eve communicated with God in the cool of their day. Even their wrongdoing could not stop God from showing up in the cool of the day to communicate. Abraham, in Genesis 17, the dream was given. I will make my covenant with thee. I'll multiply thee as the sands of the sea and make you a father of many nations. Jacob had dreams of angels ascending and descending. Several encounters with God insomuch that one night he wrestled till daybreak with an angel. Joseph had two dreams with the same meeting none of which made sense. Let me just say this, just to FYI. Don't share your dreams with everyone because they're not their dreams. They're your dreams. They won't make sense to everybody. They don't have the same faith you have. They're, God's not doing the work in them that he's doing in you. And notice, they did not hate their brother. They hated his dream. I really think they loved their brother. They hated the dream. 
They had to get rid of him to get rid of the dream. But if it's from God, it's still going to come to pass. Samuel served with Eli, heard the voice of God, which was rare in those days, yet God spoke to him. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, we find him in a cave, and God leads him to the edge of the cave. And there was wind, earthquake, and fire, but the Bible says the Lord was not in it. Where was the Lord? In a still, small voice. Let me pause and say this. Don't be so focused on the big stuff that you can't hear the small voice. There's some people, I call them conference junkies. They always go into conferences wanting a word from God. They always want somebody to read their mail. They're so focused on the big stuff that they're not sensitive to the small voice that will direct and speak. But in the New Testament, we see something different. In the New Testament, they had Jesus with them, so they were accustomed to hearing his voice. However, once he was resurrected, they relied on the past writings and what they heard. And there are occurrences such as Paul the Apostle and John the Revelator. But the majority of God's speaking came through revelation, which was the illumination of his word. The Bible says in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I believe everybody here wants to be a child of God. If we're going to be a child of God, we have to know the Father's voice. We have to know how He speaks. How do I know if something is from God? Let me just say this. One easy way, if you're in a church service and you feel the prompting of the Spirit to get out and worship or to go pray with someone, we'll analyze it this way. First, the devil would never tell you to do something that would glorify God. So we know that's not the voice of the devil. Your flesh, your carnal man doesn't want any to do anything to glorify God. So we can eliminate carnality or the flesh. So that means the last option is the Lord. So if the devil's not telling you to do it and your flesh isn't telling you to do it, it has to be the Lord prompting you to do something. The voice of God will never contradict His Word. Now, I've known of people that felt like they had a great Word from God. But if it contradicts His Word, it's not a great Word from God. God's not going to contradict His Word. There should be on our part a willingness to seek his voice. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I'm a firm believer that if we seek God, he will lead us where he wants us to go. The mistake comes when we try to make the dream happen without the guidance of God. When we think we know how it's supposed to work and then we start playing little God to bring it to pass. It takes faith to hear the voice of God. Now, the world thinks we're crazy because we go and we kneel and we pray to something we can't see. And we say the Lord told us and we never heard it. 
world calls us crazy. It takes faith to know that God is on the other end. Faith picks up the signal that God is constantly sending out. Faith does. So what are, what are some ways that God speaks to us? The first way that God always speaks is through his word. But no matter where you go on this earth, if you need a word from God, you will always have a word from God right here. The problem is, is if we get in, we get in a situation and we go, yeah, there's nothing in that book, Lord. There's nothing there. There's nothing for me. Because if God don't speak to us in five minutes, we're ready to move on. Or we'll do this right here. All right, Lord. Wherever my eyes lay, that's the word. No, that's not it, God. It's what we do. I know people that they've got their sole direction from life from opening the Bible and looking at a verse. You can't do that. I'm not saying that never works, okay? I believe there's times where a certain scripture will leap out the pages and it'll, it'll fit right where you are. I believe that. But I also believe that God is bigger than just opening up a book by chance. That's like kind of playing the lottery. Just It's by chance. God's not a God of chance. God knows where you're at. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. As I stated earlier, God will never contradict His Word. If you feel you got direction and you feel God gave you a revelation, first thing you do is you compare it to the Word of God. And if you find that it contradicts what God has told you, then it's not of God. God will not contradict. If you're sensitive to the Lord in prayer and you make it a habit of reading that word, the only way to truly know God is through his word. I'm thankful for all kinds of books. Books are a good thing. But books should never replace the book. I remember a I remember a missionary came to our church, and I probably shared this with you. He was a young minister, felt like he was coming into his own, and he was so proud. He had his office set up, and he had all these commentaries all lined up. And his dad was fixing to walk in his office, and he said, I just couldn't wait for my dad to get into my office and look at all my commentaries. Preachers, uh, now it's a lot digital, but back in the day, it's like the more commentaries you had on a shelf, you just had, you knew a whole lot of stuff. You may have never cracked the book, but if you had them, it looked good. And his dad walked in there, looked at him, and he pointed to that Bible. He said, Son, you read that Bible, it'll shed a lot of light on all them commentaries. We can get so focused on wanting direction from all other kind of books that we neglect the book which is the sole source of all direction for humanity. Don't ever neglect the word of God. Secondly, God speaks to us through prayer. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. I was listening to something today. How many ever heard of Sister Nona Freeman? Missionary for years and years and years. I was listening to a sermon, Sister Freeman, um, I preached in Little Rock this morning, just drove in about 4.30, time for church. So I did listen to a lot of preaching. And Sister Freeman 
Of course, she always builds faith, but she said, the Lord spoke to her one day and said, I do answer hysterical prayers out of mercy. But I wish my children would understand the value of confident prayers. Just thank you, Lord, for taking care of this. I believe you, Lord Jesus. You don't have to be cutting cartwheels and rolling on the floor to get God to hear you. God does answer hysterical prayers out of mercy. But God wants his children to understand the significance of praying with assured confidence that God is going to take care of that situation. God will speak to us through prayer. In prayer, you receive strength. You receive direction. You receive encouragement. But think about this. The Bible says Jesus prayed. Jesus. Now, we all need to pray. But I don't think about, if there's one person I don't think about needing to pray, it's Jesus needing to pray. Because he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. Jesus would never expect us to do something that he would not do himself. And though he was fully God, he was also fully man. He wouldn't pray and do himself. He was praying to keep his flesh in subjection. What do we find in the Garden of Eden? We find that fleshly, or rather the Garden of Gethsemane, that fleshly man trying to rise up. Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was the flesh of Jesus speaking. But then the Spirit rose up and said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's a glimpse into the dual identity and the dual nature, the flesh of God and the Spirit of God. And we know that the Spirit of God trumped the flesh. Jesus prayed. Even he understood the importance of consistent communication with God consistently being in connection with God. I promise you, you go two weeks without praying, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. That old flesh will rise up. You'll be biting people's heads off. You'll be snapping. You'll be mad. You may not think your prayers are working, but you go any length of time without it, and you'll realize how quick, you'll realize quick those prayers were doing more than you thought they were doing. You got to stay in connection. God can speak to you. When God speaks to you in prayer, oftentimes it'll be a gentle impression. There's some people, they hear the voice of God like he's screaming. God speaks to everybody different. Don't ever think that God has to speak to you like he speaks to somebody else. There's times you'll just have a gentle thought pass your mind. Just go right on through. That's the Lord. Nine times out of ten, God speaks to me like I'm watching it on a screen, I can, like I'm looking at a screen and, and it just like a, like a reel playing and I just watch it all. When I was evangelizing, I'd walk into a side door and I'd just stand there and I'd start looking. And as I would look at people, it'd be like I was watching a movie on different people and I knew who God wanted to talk to that night. Now, it don't happen. The gifts of knowledge and wisdom don't happen as much when you have human knowledge. That's why I don't operate in that role as much now because I'm with you. I know you. 
That's why Brother Story didn't operate in that realm as interim pastor. It's because he, he had too much knowledge. But you, a year from now, you let him walk in the door, and he's going to fill a different role in the five-fold ministry, and he can pick up and operate in that realm. God speaks to everybody differently. And what happens is people start thinking something's wrong with them if God's not talking to them like he's talking to somebody else. It's not that anything's wrong with you. You have to learn how God speaks to you. When I get thoughts, gentle impressions in my spirit, nine times out of ten, it's as soon as my eyes open. And I'll lay in bed and the Lord will speak. After that, I just get up and roll. That's how he talks to me. You figure out how God talks to you, and you got to be sensitive to that. And you got to learn that. It took Eli, uh, it, it took Samuel three times the Lord was speaking. He'd run to Eli, he'd go back. Run to Eli and go back. But when he finally got the revelation, this is God talking to me. He said, Hear my Lord, speak. He had to learn how God spoke to him. Have you ever been in a service? And you just had the thought, I need to go pray with somebody, whoever it is. Anybody ever heard that, had that happen? That's God. That's God. I was on the platform one time, and church, maybe about 300 people in the church. It was a massive sanctuary. And I was on the platform, and, and the Lord said, I want you to go pray for this couple. And they were all the way diagonally across the church. And it was song service. And I said, Lord, it's middle of song service. I can't just sneak around there and go pray for these people. So Lord told me again, I want you to go pray for these people. Oh, Lord, I don't want to disrupt. So I stood on that platform. And finally, after the Lord stopped talking to me, just about as soon as I stopped arguing with God, I watched a man sitting about where Brother Don was, a lay minister, got up out of his seat, walked all the way around the church to those same two people and started praying with them. And that was the key for that service, and the place blew up after that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you won't do it, I'll always find somebody that will. you got to be careful that you don't. It doesn't matter what time of the service it is. If you feel that prompting from the Holy Ghost, you move, because the third way that God speaks to us is through the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. Bible says, Hebrews 8 and 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them into their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. When you receive the Holy Ghost, your whole nature changes. Your thoughts change. Your motives change. And God starts speaking to you in your thoughts. In your thoughts. Old Testament, God spoke to them on written things and through the priests. But in the New Testament, God said, I'm going to speak to everyone the same in the same fashion. I'm going to speak through your conscience. Speak through your thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. 
when you seek the Lord, God will give you direction through the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to hurry. I've got a few minutes left. Another way that God speaks to us is through the gifts of the Spirit. There are the gifts of the Spirit that function in harmony in the Spirit of God. The Bible says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So the two manifestations of God's voice in regards to the gifts of the Spirit are the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation as to a piece of knowledge which would be naturally unknown to the recipient. The word of wisdom is supernatural impartation of wisdom beyond the natural wisdom of the recipient. You have to remember, people are people. Okay, hear me very carefully. If someone comes to you and says, thus saith the Lord, don't necessarily take the bait right away. Because I've been around some people that they wasn't talking to the same Lord I was talking to. I'm trying to tread carefully, but you're reading between the lines. Some people want to give a word to everybody and they shouldn't give a word to nobody. I remember one service I was in, I was, I'm a people watcher. I'm not nosy, I'm observant. And I was just watching this one cat walking around the altar and, and, and he just stopped, put his hand on somebody and he'd give them a word. He stopped, put his hand on somebody, give them a word. And something, you, you can feel in your spirit when something's right or something's wrong. If you're spiritually sensitive at all, you can feel this guy's a fruit loop. But I didn't want to be judging this guy. So I didn't say nothing. He started making his way over to me. And I had a guy standing next to me, and I'm thinking, now, Lord, I don't know if he's coming to me or if he's coming to him. Thankfully, he came to the guy standing right here, which was with us. Stood right here. He was a minister. And he leaned over, and he gave him some, rattled off some word in his ear. And he walked off. And I didn't want to say nothing. But I wanted to know what that guy said. I just stood there worshiping the Lord. And that guy looked over at me, and he goes, he couldn't have been more wrong. That guy had no business. You got to be sensitive. Now, let me tell you this. Be spiritually mature enough to say, Lord, if somebody comes and, and does that to you, be spiritually mature enough to say, Lord, if he's wrong, forgive him. If he's right, I receive it. And just keep on going. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to say that's a false prophet. Just, Lord, if he's wrong, forgive him. He's trying. If he's right, I receive it. I put it in your hands and keep on going. Because there's going to be people that think that they should be in the, the fourth, fourth person in, in the Godhead, okay? They think they got a word from everybody. They don't. They don't. But there are people that are sensitive and gifted in that area. Just like there's bad plumbers and there's bad doctors, 
There's bad operators of the Spirit. Don't judge all of them by one of them. Okay, I'm trying to lighten this up a little bit. If somebody comes and tells you next week you're going to get a thousand a check for a thousand dollars in the mail, and it doesn't happen, just pray for them. They're trying. Okay. Godly counsel. Godly counsel is another way that God can speak to us. Bible says, "Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors." There is safety. Now, there's a difference between advice and counsel. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I just need to know what you think about this, this truck. Well, I'm just going to rattle off my opinion. I don't like the color. I don't like this. I, I like this. Buy it. I, that's not godly counsel. That's just advice. But there's a place for godly counsel. There's a, if somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I need you to pray about this, I take that serious. And I pray about it. And I say, Lord, if there's any red flags, show me. Give me scripture. Speak to my heart. Because I, I if I come back to you and tell you, look, I don't have a good feeling about this, I may not be able to tell you why. But my part's done. From there, whatever you do with godly counsel, that's between you and the Lord. But I have to stand before God and say, Lord, I did everything I could for that person or help that person and give them counsel. But don't take advice as godly counsel. Because there's some people, they'll ask 51 people. 50 will tell them what they don't want to hear, but that last one will tell them what they want to hear, and they'll say, that person right there is spiritually sensitive. Now, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. I would love to tell you that you'll always agree with everything I tell you, but that's not going to happen. There's going to be times you come to me and I say, well, I don't think that's the best thing to do according to the Word of God. You have to be spiritually mature enough to say, you know what? I receive that. I receive that. There's, I, I, I can't. I may not be able to counsel Brother Spanky like I counsel Brother James. I may not be able to let Sister Beatsy counsel me. No, I'm just picking Sister Beatsy. Everybody, I remember when I was a teenager, you met my pastor. My pastor's no nonsense. He tells it just like it is. He doesn't put no sugar on anything, and, and, and it hurts sometimes. That's just how he is. Love him to death. And one time I was a teenager, I was probably 17 years old, 16 or 17 years old. And I mean, I was ticked off in his office. I was mad. And, and, and I felt like bowing up to him. I'm not telling you I was right. I was totally 100% in the wrong. And he said something that made me mad. And I got up out of that chair in his office. I said, well, that's the case. I'm leaving. And I just started marching out of his office. And I got the door open. And, and, and I'm not going to do it as loud. But he goes. He slammed those hands on his desk as hard as he could, and every hair on my neck stood up. I just froze. He said, you get back in that seat right now. I tucked my tail between my legs, and he then, when I sat down, he walked out from around his desk, 
And he came and got on his knees and put his, his arms around me and started weeping and praying with me. It was a saving of my soul because he knew that was a critical moment in my life that was fixing to make me or break me. And I wouldn't be here today had he not done that. I'm the only person, to my knowledge and to what he's told me, the only person he ever did that to. Everybody has to be handled differently. And it's the pastor that has to understand and discern how to give counsel. How, But if you'll be sensitive, don't just expect godly counsel to always be yes. Because sometimes it may be no or not right now. But that it, there's a place for that, the man of God speaking into your life. And I'm hurrying. I'm almost done. The sixth way God speaks is confirmation. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Every word may be established. I told you the night of our installation, uh, Sister McGee was who was sitting on this side. She prophesied that I would I would not. She didn't name the church, but that I would be here. That was a confirmation because what I didn't spend time saying that night was around February. I went and preached at a church, and a guy came up to me at the altar, one of the saints there, and he put his hands on my shoulder, and he said, "Brother Stevenson." I see a mantle of a pastor that's resting on you right now. It's coming on you right now. I said, okay, that's fine. A couple weeks later, I was sitting at the altar after service. Same guy come up next to me and sat next to me. He said, Brother Stevenson, the Lord told me to tell you to get your resume ready. I said, all right, that's fine. So after the service that night, I, I went into pastor's office, I said, i got to ask you something. I told him about the guy. I said, this guy over here, what's the story on this cat? Is he crazy? Is he legit? I didn't know if he was giving words to everybody. What, what's the story? And I told him what he said. He said, if that man told me what he told you, I'd do exactly what he said. Good enough. So I went to prayer, and I told my wife about it. I said, this is what was said. I'm going to pray about it. I didn't go telling everybody about it because I didn't know what it meant. And this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, if this is you preparing me to transition in ministry, confirm it to me. I'm not telling you how to confirm it or when to confirm it. But, Lord, if this is your voice trying to speak to me, confirm it. That was my prayer. So the Sunday before Easter, I was preaching in Leesville, Louisiana. And that night after service, Sister McGee met me in the center aisle, and she looked at me. She pointed her finger at me. She goes, I want to prophesy to you. Okay. She goes, I see you pastor a large church. And she said, people are going to drive from all around to attend this church. And then after that, I forgot everything she said because I said, Lord, this is you. You're confirming Everything I've been praying about, you're putting the pieces together. See, God will confirm. If God really is dealing with you about something and speaking to you about something, God will confirm it. Don't, don't just rush on the first voice or the first instance. You keep praying and say, Lord, if this is really you, I want you to confirm it. God will confirm it. God will confirm it. Finally, the peace of God 
is a way that God speaks to us. The Bible says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Remember this, the will of God may not always be pleasant, but it will always be peaceful. Because God is the Prince of Peace. I'd be lying to you if I told you that you never go through a storm, you never go through a trial, you never go through a hardship. We could read about Paul's journey and realize that that would be a lie. But if you're in the will of God, you will always have peace in the will of God. You will. God is the Prince of Peace. I was invited, and I've shared this before. You can go ahead and stand with me. When I felt the call to evangelize, felt like God was dealing with me about evangelizing and moving me out. And I went and preached two Wednesday nights for a church. Two Wednesday nights. And after that second Wednesday night, the pastor took me out on a Friday. He said, I want you to be my youth pastor. I thought, well, that's the shortest evangelistic ministry ever. Two services. And I said, you know what? Let me pray about it. I'll let you know something on Monday. And I remember that weekend. I mean, it was a great opportunity. Large church. People would have jumped at it. But I just had this uneasiness in my spirit. You ever, I don't want to label the Holy Ghost as a gut. But we call it our gut feeling. Like, eh, something ain't right here. You may not be able to point your finger on it. You may not be able to describe it, but you know in your spirit something's not right. That's a good indicator that God is not in it. Because I've taken some scary leaps of faith that people looked at me and said, I don't know how you did it, but I had a peace in my spirit because it was the will of God. And you've done things that other people thought, how could you do that? But I'll tell you how you could do it. You had peace in your spirit. You had peace in your spirit. And all weekend I was in turmoil, and finally on that Monday I called him. And I said, I'm not going to do this. It's not a good opportunity. Or rather, it's a good opportunity, but it's not for me. And as soon as I hung up, the phone rang, and a lady called and said, I felt like a spirit of confusion was trying to come on you, and the Lord told me to tell you that you're supposed to be evangelizing. God just confirmed Everything that was supposed to work out. You have peace. Those are seven ways that God speaks in our life. The problem that I found is not God is not speaking. We're not listening. God's always trying to talk to his people. God's always trying to give direction. God's always trying to encourage and to lift and... Far too often, we're not tuned in to the right frequency to hear the Spirit. Have you ever wondered how two people can leave the same service and one just said, oh, it, it was all right. And the other one, God spoke to them. God imparted and they touched heaven. Same service, same songs, same preaching. The difference, one came wanting to hear God. One came tuned into the Spirit. And the other was listening to all kinds of things other than the Holy Ghost. So you remain sensitive in your desire to find and to know the voice of God.
God will continually speak to your heart. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for his word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your desire to lead us and to help us navigate this journey. I pray, Lord, you would continue to make us more sensitive to your voice. Continue, Lord, to give us a clear and, and a distinct direction. We want to live a life and pleasing to you. Cover us and keep us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen. 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 Lord bless you. Shake hands with some.